The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. While many of his disciples heard it, they said, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but, but among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him. And he said, for this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. When many of Jesus' disciples heard what he had to say, they said, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? And because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. I am very happy to be at St. Stephen's uh, for many reasons that I will tell you about. Um, one is that John and his wife Anne and their kids are good friends of mine and my husband Josiah's from um, when we were at Virginia Theological Seminary, and so it's a lot of fun to have them um, in Birmingham and to be at this church uh, with them. Um, another is that I am the priest in charge or the vicar of a new church uh, here in Birmingham called the Abbey. It's an Episcopal church and coffee shop down in Avondale. Um, and in your Pew to 10K program that John launched a few months ago, you've sent several fantastic volunteers down to the Abbey uh, to help us with our free coffee and grilled cheese sandwich ministry and um, our mission to be a church and a coffee shop that welcomes um, a diversity of people, as you find um, kind of down in these urban areas of Birmingham. And so we've loved having those volunteers. Um, but perhaps most importantly, 
Um, I love St. Stephen's because I was here about five months ago, right after Easter, uh, selling uh, chocolate truffles made by Gustavo, our business manager and chef extraordinaire down at the Abbey, um, and also these bags of coffee that we labeled St. Stephen's Blends. Co I'm sorry, that our roaster labeled St. Stephen's Blends Coffee. And like a hundred bags into this, right? Um, a couple of days later, I'm looking at the extras that we had like kind of piled up at the Abbey that we're gonna just sell to our, to our customers. And I realized our roaster had printed St. Stephen's Blends Coffee <laughs> on like all 100 of those bags. He doesn't know the difference between St. Stephen and St. Stephen, but I do. And I tell you what, I love you because nobody called me. <laughs> nobody called Jen Manning. Nobody complained. Nobody even pointed it out. You just let it slide. So you have like many points, um, not only in the Pew to Ken K program, but also in the Abbey's heart. Um, so thank you for that. I'm gonna talk about the Abbey a little bit um, in, in just a minute and all those free cups of coffee um, that we give out. But first to our, our gospel for the day, um, from John's gospel, and this, um, this kind of funny uh, verse, or a couple of verses, um, Jesus is talking again about being the bread of life, right? Not the bread that rained down um, from heaven, but the bread of life. And when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this teaching is difficult, who can accept it? Which makes us realize as we're reading along that all of a sudden um, Jesus' honeymoon period with his followers is over. And in the Gospel of John, um, as you're reading along, you kind of realize that Jesus has had several significant um, events up to this, this point that people have just loved. They loved the wedding in Cana, right? where he turned the, the water into wine and, and can, kept that wedding party going uh, for, for many more hours or maybe even days. Um, they maybe even loved that interaction that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman, the one by the well where she realizes all of a sudden, you know, you must be the son of God because you know everything that's in my heart and you know how to, uh, how to love me and, and take care of me. Um, I would guess that they really loved the feeding of the 5,000, where he takes the, um, the, the two fish and the five loaves and feeds um, many thousands of people with it. They've loved what he has taught um, up to now. They have listened. Um, even when, you know, Jesus kind of has a tendency to get long and boring, they have kept on um, nodding and smiling and agreeing and saying, this guy is great. But nothing good like that can, can last for, forever. And here in this passage, as he's talking about, you know, you had that bread that rained down from heaven out when your, when your ancestors were in the wilderness a couple of thousand years ago. I'm not that kind of bread. I am the bread of life. And he starts talking about what that means to be the bread of life. And people start saying, you know what, that's really not what we had in mind. That's really um, a lot more difficult than we thought it would be, and it's going to take a lot longer than we thought it would. And so because of that, many of his disciples pack up and leave, leaving him with the twelve and then maybe a few others who have nowhere else to go, as Simon Peter says. 
reminding me at least, and maybe you as well, that it's very rare that ministry, it's very rare that your volunteer hours with the Pew to 10K program, right, equal expectation. And it's very rare that, that the people's expectation of Jesus is what the reality actually is. So I said I was going to talk a little bit more about the Abbey, and the Abbey is this whole story in reality and expectations being about a world apart, um, and a whole story, and I believe in what Jesus is talking about here. So about five years ago, um, Bishop Sloan, the Bishop of Alabama, came to me and my husband, Josiah, who's also a priest across the street at St. Thomas on, on Acton Road, um, and said, I have an idea. I want you guys to start a church in Avondale. And my husband, Josiah, was like, no way. <laughs> I want to be at a traditional parish and sing regular hymns out of the hymnal, okay? And so now he's at St. Thomas. And I said, that is right up my alley. That's exactly what I want to do. I want to start a new church. I want to do something non-traditional. Um, and, and the bishop and I brainstormed about this, and we talked about Avondale because we said that it is a hot spot. If you've ever been down there, we said it is a hot spot for the millennial generation. And I'm on like the upper cusp of the millennial generation. I'm 33, so I'm, I'm Jesus was a millennial, okay? Um, <laughs> But it's probably around like age, maybe like 37 down to, I don't know, 25. It's like that age range. It's the age range um, that if you go to most Episcopal churches, you don't see a very whole lot of. They're as rare as the white bingle tiger, um, as, as some a, a priest I know said. And so we're always trying to, you know, how do we attract millennials? How do we respond to the needs of millennials? How do we get millennials into our church? And, and we went down to Avondale, and we're like, well, there's millennials all over the place, and we're going to start this amazing Episcopal church, and it's going to have this band, and these hipster millennials are going to show up, and they're all going to have these high-paying jobs in the tech industry, you know, even though we're in Alabama, and they're all going to be making a lot of money, and they're going to come to our church for the music and to hear me preach. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be full of them. Um, and they're all going to, when we pass the plates, they're going to give a lot of money. And it's going to be instantly sustainable. Okay. <laughs> Expectation. Reality, right? Four years later, we're about four years into this um, experiment. And it's both um, been a whole lot more difficult, right? This teaching is difficult and a whole lot more rewarding than that expectation could ever have brought about. And we went down into Avondale, and like the first thing we realized, right, is that this is a part of our, of our city, of Birmingham, um, that, that 30 years ago experienced a lot of white flight out into the suburbs. I grew up in this neighborhood um, in Avondale, and when I was a little kid there, the park was a mess. And it was full of old, like, crumbly, abandoned building, brick buildings. And only in the last decade, maybe a little bit less than that, um, have, have people decided, hey, you know, we really feel called to go into the city um, and surround ourselves with, with the diversity that that has to offer um, and try to economically um, 
boost the economy and hire people and start these restaurants like the, the Avondale Brewery and Melt and Post Office Pies and the Abbey was kind of in on that um, towards the beginning. And the reality, right, of doing ministry in a place like Avondale is that while Avondale is gentrifying, it's not gentrified. And while it's a neighborhood in transition, it's not transitioned. So while we thought, well, we're going to have all these fancy millennials come to our new church called the Abbey and drink coffee because it's a fully functioning coffee house as well, the reality that we encountered, right, is that this is a neighborhood that is full of the authentic and challenging and difficult diversity of the people of God. And so what we have is a church that is truly and authentically multi-generational. What we have is a, is a church that is um, full of millennials, but some that have, um, are gainfully employed, right? And some others that are a little bit slower to launch. You all know somebody like that, right? And then, because, because the neighborhood isn't completely gentrified, which is actually probably a, a good thing, there's all the, the folks that have, um, that never left. All the, the, the people that um, are experiencing homelessness, either long term or, or um, are kind of in and out of, of housing. Um, and all the people that live, um, you know, not a quarter mile from the Abbey, but on the other side of the tracks and the housing projects that are just down the street. And then every day we see um, men who are in residential drug rehab at the Jimmy Hale Mission just uh, across, the, across the way um, near the Birmingham Waterworks. And so our church is, is um, it's filled with this diversity of people that, that can often be challenging. And obviously wasn't an instantaneous kind of ministry. I've got this, um, this uh, CPA and accountant that, that reconciles all our QuickBooks and looks through all our sales and sees how much coffee um, and grilled cheese sandwiches that the Abbey gives away and at a retreat kind of uh, dedicated to the mission um, and future of the Abbey. Uh, he said in front of about 20 people, he's like, man, I believe in God because of the Abbey. He said, on paper, you have done everything wrong. <laughs> and yet, somehow, every year, you end up in the black. Like, that is the Holy Spirit at work. <laughs> and as I like to say to, um, to other Episcopalians and to our bishop and, and to our, our community members down there, just remember... Just remember, we've, we've been open for, you know, three and a half or four years. We've been worshiping together for, I mean, it's not a long time, but a significant amount of time. And when you feel like you're starting to see the fruits of that difficulty and that challenge and that labor, just remember to do real and good and deep ministry. This is not work that you just do in the microwave, right? Where you push the timer for 30 seconds and out pops a church. The work of ministry and the work of relationship and the work of community is done in the crock pot. 
Or as a friend of mine who just discovered this new form of cooking would say, you know, this is not microwave work, this is like the sous vide work, right? Where you bring meat um, to, a, to a, I guess, a delicious um, point of, of edibleness by cooking it at a very low temperature for a very long time. And I think there's a lot of places in Jesus and the gospel where Jesus is, is kind of talking about this. The fact that the work of God is not this just instantaneous thing. It's not microwave work, right? It's, it's crockpot work. Um, but this is one of them. But this is, this is one of them where, where Jesus says, this is the bread that came down from heaven. It's not like that bread which your ancestors ate and they died, but this one who eats this bread will live forever. So what he's talking about when he says this is not the bread that your ancestors ate, I want to just like call you back to um, the books of, of um, Exodus and the book of De Deuteronomy. So this is like 2,000 years before Jesus. It's in the, in the Jewish tradition where the children of Israel were wandering around um, in the desert after having left Egypt. And uh, there's nothing to eat out there and there's nothing to drink and they call upon God and they complain to Moses and God um, rains down manna from heaven. He rains down that bread. And, and part of the point of the, of the bread that comes down from heaven is a little bit reminiscent of the Passover bread, right, which was unleavened because the, the children of Israel, they were, so, um, they were in such a hurry to leave Egypt that they didn't use yeast um, in, in their bread. And Jesus is saying that's, an incredible sign, that manna from heaven, an incredible sign of the faithfulness of God. But it's only part of the story. And this bread that I am giving you now, right, as he says, in the, in the form of my, my flesh, because I, the, the, I am the bread of, of life and this bread from heaven, this is not that like unleavened bread. This is the kind of bread where you add the yeast to the warm water, and then you add the warm water to the dough, and then you knead it, and then you leave it outside all covered up in the heat, right, to rise, and then you come back, and it hasn't risen because you killed the yeast, and, you know, I work in a, in a coffee shop and bakery, so I know all about this, right, and, and then you have to completely start over, you know, with new butter and new flour and new yeast until you finally get it to rise, sometimes many hours later. And this is the work of the gospel, and this is the work of, of, of ministry, and this is the work of salvation, of having a relationship with God, is that this is not just like pop it in the microwave and put it on 30 seconds and it's hot. This is the work of relationship. This is the work of asking hard questions. This is the work of going back again and again and again and approaching people that you have a problem with and having a difficult conversation with them. This is the work of reconciliation. Um, that sometimes takes decades to bring about, as we know in, in Alabama. You know, this is the work um, of facing our own um, sinfulness and facing our own shame and, and dealing with that and figuring out what baggage it is that we bring with us to the ministry and, and trying to work through it. And that is not microwave work. That's work that you do in the crock pot. And it takes a long time time. But if you're faithful, if we are faithful and we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and, um, and that God loves everyone and believes in that authentic diversity um, and in the work that you're doing when you go out to your agencies and places of, of ministry um, to volunteer, 
That's what becomes rewarding, ultimately. So I want to share with you, as I wrap up, um, a story from the Abbey that, for me, has illustrated this um, this crockpot work of relationship building that we do day in and day out. And this is a story that begins um, out in Lynn Park down near the uh, Jefferson County Courthouse and, and Birmingham City Hall, um, where uh, we go every week um, at noon um, um, Wednesdays and do a church service called Church in the Park. It's been going on for about five years now. And um, one week I went down, uh, probably three, two or three years ago now, and I was the celebrant, and I, I, I preached my sermon, celebrated the Eucharist, and then we were having lunch afterward. Um, and I noticed uh, this one young man um, who later told me his name is Dimitri, and um, long, gorgeous blonde hair pulled back in a ponytail. He was just unmistakable, um, also because he was like probably 21, 22 years old millennial maybe, homeless millennial, um, but also unmistakable because Dimitri pushes around this, um, this shopping cart. I don't know where he got it, um, but full of his stuff. And he's constantly, um, he's constantly unpacking the shopping cart and then repacking the shopping cart just so everything, he's very, very well organized. And he's very clean and he's always spraying this, um, this dry shampoo on that, on that hair and like combing it and keeping it keeping it meticulously clean. Um, and, and so I, so I kind of noticed him at, at church in the park and then didn't see him again for a while. And then some months later, um, I saw him again down at the Avondale Library where he had parked his shopping cart outside. And I don't know what he was doing in the library, maybe reading something because he's, he's very well read. Um, and as he was coming out, I said, hey, I think I know you from the park. And so we, we talked a little bit, and I said, well, you know, I don't know if you like coffee. It turns out he does. But I said, just walk down the street sometime, and we have this Episcopal church and coffee shop where you can come and get one free cup of coffee and a grilled cheese sandwich a day. Just come and, just come and like, have coffee with us and hang out. And Dimitri took me up on it. And um, before we knew it, Dimitri was coming every single day to the Abbey for his cup of coffee. And he would have conversations with us. And so the first difficult conversation we had to have with Dimitri was where he was going to park the shopping cart. Um, at first, he wanted to park it right out in the front, like blocking the front door. And I said, we can't do that. And then he wanted to park it um, around back in the handicapped entrance. And I said, well, you can't do that either. So we found, him a, we found him a parking spot where he could look out the window and make sure nobody was stealing it. Um, so that was one conversation we had, and um, as, as he drank coffee with us and got to know us, he started to share uh, some more about his past, which included a lot of foster care homes um, and a father who was in prison for the rest of his life. Um, and it also included some really amazing details, like Dimitri graduated from high school. Like I said, he was, he was in the Avondale Library. He can name every U.S. president in order and give you the dates. He's a history buff. So we would sit and, and drink coffee and like talk about all these things. And I also learned that um, Dimitri suffers from uh, bipolar disorder, which is part of the reason he's, he's on the streets and he's mostly unmedicated for that. And so it's a real burden for him. And, um, you know, when he, was, um, when he was doing well and he had a lot of energy, he'd, um, he'd come back and he would get the, the mop bucket and the mop and our, our bathrooms at the Abbey would just sparkle because he's so clean, right? 
And then he would get angry um, and kind of take a take a a downturn, and he'd get mad at me, and he'd um, he'd defriend me on Facebook, and uh, and we wouldn't see him for a while. But then he'd always kind of swing back up and 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 come back around the abbey. And several months ago, during one of these up upturns, um, Dimitri decided we needed a new abbey T-shirt, and I said, "Well, if you design it, we'll print it. We'll get a new T-shirt." And the conversations, you know, took another couple of months about what would this t-shirt be, what color would it be, what would it say. And um, Dimitri was so proud of himself, we finally ended up with this, this design where um, we had a cup of coffee on the front that had the logo. And then on the back it said, um, the struggle is real, love wins, and then in parentheses, coffee helps. And Dimitri loved that because for him the struggle is real as it is for all of us, but love ultimately wins and, you know, caffeine can really boost that. Um, <clears throat> he wanted them printed in, in purple, but we said, no, 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 don't win on that one. So they're black and white. Um, then Dimitri told me, he's like, well, I want, I want a shirt. Will you buy me one? And I said, sure. And he said, I want a size 3X, which he doesn't wear a 3X. But I said, I'll, yeah. I'll buy you a size 3X. Costs $2.50 more than all the other sizes. So we ordered that, gave it to him. He was real happy. And then, you know, mood started to slide a little bit in the next few weeks. Um, and next thing I knew, I heard um, that Dimitri had had a big argument one day with Margaret, our lay missioner, who's also a barista at the coffee shop. Dimitri had... Um, he had asked Margaret could he bring in his own coffee maker and his own coffee to the Abbey and just plug it in, <laughs> you know, like where some people like sit there with their laptop, he wanted to sit there with his own coffee maker. <laughs> and she said, no, that's weird, <laughs> we're at a coffee shop. And he got mad and like packed up all his stuff and took his card away saying, I'm going to burn up my Abbey t-shirt, I'm so mad at you. So we could eye roll and oh, Dimitri. And then that night, um, I went back to the Abbey for um, an event called Beer and Hymns. Dimitri usually loves Beer and Hymns because he was raised Southern Baptist and he knows all the hymns and he loves singing them. Um, and, but Dimitri wasn't there. He wasn't inside. He had kind of made good on his promise to, to never come back, I guess. So we're singing away and I look out the window and there's the shopping cart. And there's Dimitri, like just looking in, just looking in the window. So I went outside and, and opened the door and I said, Dimitri, what is going on? And he said, I told Margaret today that I was going to take my shirt and burn it up. And I have done just that. To which I was like, Dimitri, good Lord. I paid $22.50. <laughs> for a size 3X Abby t-shirt that you took to the park and lit on fire. And he just kind of stopped for a minute and took a deep breath. And then he said, I just want to feel loved. And I said, Dimitri, would I have bought you a size 3X Abby t-shirt for $22.50 if I didn't love you. And he said, yeah, I know you love me. 
You let me design the t-shirt. I don't think that the um, saga of Dimitri is over. And if John ever invites me to come back and preach again, you may be hearing more about him. Because the story's never quite over, right? You never quite reach a good, solid conclusion where you wrap it up in a bow. The way you can when you just put the cup of coffee in the microwave and press 30 seconds and you take it out and suddenly it's hot again. Because the story of relationship and the story of community and family and what we're called to be together in Jesus Christ is not that kind of microwave work. It's the kind of work that's built over months and maybe even years. It's the kind of relationship that we build, as, as I'm sure that you've been finding with this with the pew to 10K volunteer hours that, that you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily able to like go to the firehouse shelter like one time and serve a meal, but you're drawn to come back again and again and again because that's when you get to know those folks like Dimitri and that's when you really get to experience the diversity of God's kingdom is by coming again and again and again the way that Jesus is calling his disciples to do. Even when they say this teaching is hard, even when they say we expected something shorter or easier or cheaper or different. This is the work of the bread of life. And what it's up to us to do is to walk along with Jesus and his disciples saying, no, we're in this for the long haul. Where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, 
the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Prayers of the people are found printed in your bulletin. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Grant, Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy. Guide the people of this land and of all nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. Lord, in your mercy. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. We pray especially for Lochrane, Susan, and Diana. Lord, in your mercy. We commend to your mercy all who have died especially Tim Breen and Senator John McCain, that your will for them may be fulfilled, and we pray that we may share with all of your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy. Bless all those who teach and serve in the instruction of children, remembering that we are your children, continually learning a life of faith. Grant to them wisdom both to listen and to teach, as your son not only taught many, but also heard the needs of many. We pray especially for all teachers and the staff of St. Stephen's Preschool, Allison, Elaine, Wanda, Vanessa, May, Kim, Marianne, Donna, Jennifer, Beth, Rosemary, Jennifer, Lee, Monica, Stephanie, Judy, Leslie, Fontaine, Mary, Virginia, Whitney, Lillian, Marianne, and Leslie. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, to whom our needs are known before we ask. Help us to ask only what accords with your will in those good things which we dare not or in our blindness cannot ask. Grant us for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us confess our sins. 
sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by